0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Drop Off, the daily podcast between father and son about life, sports, and everything in between. Today is Thursday, and it's also the three-day break in between all of the NBA series. So today, I think we might do a recap of the first two games of all four second-round series. So based on what's happened so far, what are your takeaways?
1: Wait, there's a three-day break where there's no games at all?
0: Yeah, from Thursday. No, actually Thursday and Friday. There's no games.
1: I see. So the next games are going to be game threes on sun, half, uh, two game threes on Saturday and two game threes on Sunday? I think so. All right. Well, I guess the way it's shaken out is the 1-4 series are not going to be very competitive, but the 2-3 series looks like they're going to be very, very competitive. Uh, which series do you want to start with?
0: Let's start with the Memphis Grizzlies Warriors series. So, last night, so in the first game, Clay. I guess they're down most of the game, and then like Clay hit a hit like a, um, not a buzzer beater, but like a game winner with like thirty seconds left. Did you see how that game shook out?
1: Uh, I didn't watch that game, but I did see some highlights, and I think the big kind of the big news or whatever about the first two games have been the ejections, or at least the flagrant two violations. So in the first game, Draymond Green got hit with a flagrant two violation, um, which, yeah, I, I think was debatable, and he got ejected out of the game. Um, I think that was in the third quarter, or early third quarter, if I remember correctly. And then in the game two, Dylan Brooks got ejected out of, like in the very, very beginning of the game. Like the Warrior, or the, the Grizzlies were up like 7 or 8, eight to 0 uh, early in the first quarter, and he gets that, um, he hits GP2 on the head on, like, a fast break, and unfortunately, GP2's elbow's broken, and he's out for, like, a month, which means he's basically out the rest of the, um, like, maybe, maybe he could come back if the Warriors make it into the finals, it to the finals but really sad, um, and that, I think that hurts the Warriors a lot, because GP2 is one of the g- main guys that they're throwing at Jaw in the minutes that he's out there, and I don't know if it's because they didn't have GP2, it's, that's probably not the whole reason, but Jaw was just... He was electric in Game 2. He was unstoppable force. Um, I mean, you don't want to overreact because he's probably not going to hit all of those shots that he did in, at the fourth quarter like he did in Game 2 because he basically didn't miss a shot in the fourth. Um, but, man, he, he really carried the Grizzlies. He outscored the Warriors, like, 14-6 to six at the end of the game, and he really brought them back.
0: Also, at the end, I think that um, the—what's it called? I think that, like, in Game 3— um, they'll be able to make like adjustments on how to stop Jaw and maybe throw more at Jaw now that they don't have GP two to like just guard him one on one. So maybe like they'll be throwing like a double team at Jaw and help off of like someone like um maybe like if they have like a unreliable shooter on the floor.
1: What I'm really impressed with is it just doesn't seem like the moment's too big for the Grizzlies, right? This is a young team and. That's kind of the moment in which you think, okay, this young team doesn't have the experience of the Warriors. It's like those, it's the last minutes, you know, of game two, really close. They could go down 0 2. Like, that's where it shows where's their character, where's their heart, where's their grit. And I think they prove that they belong. And it's going to be a a really, I mean, the first two games have been really close. And I think the whole series is going to be close. I wouldn't be surprised to go seven. I'm still picking the Warriors. But I, I'm, I've I'm, been super impressed with the Grizzlies so far. And, man, it's just been it's been a fun, fun series. And I think it's going to continue to be.
0: I originally had the Warriors and I think, 6 maybe, 5 or 6. But I think now with GP2's injury, I think it'll definitely go to 7.
1: Yeah, and if it goes 7, Game 7 is at the FedEx um, Center in Memphis. And so the Grizzlies have home court advantage. And so, I mean, obviously it'll be tough for... The uh, Warriors to win game 7 on the road But uh, there's there's a decent chance We can see the Grizzlies pulling out this series also Which, I mean, Clay clay has been cold this whole series so far I expect that to change um, Curry's been okay, but he hasn't been The best player in the series, that's been Ja um, And so, as you, as they Go back to San Francisco I mean, the Warriors still probably feel okay I mean, it's 1-1, they haven't been blown out Or anything, um, and they're probably happy to go back Home, and I, I Totally agree with you Desmond Bain is injured or he's hurt I think he's got a back injury and so I think you totally sell out on stopping Ja and you make the rest of the Grizzlies beat you and prove that they're able to
0: yeah let's talk about the next series the Celtics versus Bucks series so this both of the games were blowouts first the Celtics lost by 12 and then they beat the um Bucks by like 15 by like 19 and so what do you think about the huge 31 point swing between the two games
1: yeah, I mean, maybe it's just three point variance. You know, that, that's kind of what it is. Because what the Bucks try to do is they kind of try to take you out of their game, and they let you take threes. <coughs> and so to beat the Bucks, you got to hit your threes. And the story, the story is like they it was some crazy. Nut. The Bucks they were like completely dry from three in game two, and the Celtics were like, what? Would, <laughs> I, this is something I think there were the Bucks were outscored from three like sixty to three. In Game Two, or something like that, Boston hit the most threes they'd ever hit in a playoff game, like twenty, and I think Milwaukee only made three threes or something like that. And so, if you get outscored sixty to three from the or sixty to nine from the three point line, uh, you're probably losing the game. Uh, but I, I think if you're a Celtics fan, you're encouraged. You know, uh, after Game One, they're like, "Is it cause for pause for the Celtics?" Right? Because I, like I think most people. Obviously, you don't want to count out Giannis, uh, one of, if not the best basketball player in the entire world right now. Uh, But I think most people were picking the Celtics, especially the way they ended the season. Robert Williams coming back, Chris Middleton being out. Uh, And I think game one kind of spooked a lot of people and said, hey, this is a formula that looks like it could be used to beat the Celtics. And I'm I'm really impressed with the way the Celtics responded. How do you feel about your C's now after the first two games?
0: I feel really good. I think it was just a fluke that we only made like six three. We only made like six twos, and we didn't make like any tw- We didn't make any mid rangers the entire game. All of our t- in game one, all of our twos were like layups, and we made like six, and we shot. But now I think I'm feeling a lot better with the with the shooting. So, yeah, I think that we can win the series.
1: Yeah, they say it's a make or miss league. You heard that before right sometimes you can like analyze all you can but at the end of the day it's about okay did the shots go in or not and sometimes you know it's random like the shots just don't go in the way that they're supposed to and so uh, i think the smart people were saying after game 1 the Celtics just missed a lot of shots that they normally make right and so you don't want to overreact you want to stay you want to play your game i think what they did realize was hey they had to match the bucks physical intensity and their aggression and, uh, you know, the the Celtics players were admitting that. Like, they, they got punched in the face. They got out-muscled. They weren't ready for the physicality of the Bucks. Regroup, come back in game two, and you are ready, right? And that's part of the matur- maturation process as a team. Uh, I don't know. Are you worried that Marcus Smart is out? And do you – I don't know much about his injury. Do you know what happened to him and when he's expected to come back?
0: So he has a left quad contusion, I think. But um, I think that – We can win. I think with this three-day break, it'll help him. But I think we can win game three without him, and he'll be back by game four.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think you want this series to end as soon as possible. I mean, I don't know what Middleton's prognosis is, but uh, if you can end the series quickly without Middleton coming back, then uh, I, I think that bodes a lot better for your team.
0: I think the thing was, he is out for the entire series. He isn't?
1: I think that's some of the reporting been grade two sprain. He's going to be out. But, I mean, with these long breaks, you know, you got three days in between games two and three. Like, you never know uh, if he's going to try to come back a little earlier, especially if the series is tight and he feels like, hey, if I play, I'm not going to make this any worse, and I'm going to give my team a little better chance to win. So you never know. There's no guarantees he could come back earlier. You know, Booker came back. We thought Booker, Booker was going to be out the whole uh first series, round one, and he came back in game six, so anything can happen.
0: Yes, so um let's see. What adjustments do you think the Celtics need to make to like or not like they or let's talk about the other one four series. Do you think there's any adjustments that this those teams can make to like potentially make the series like closer.
1: Yeah. Uh for the Sixers the adjustment is get Joel Embiid back. I mean it's at the end of the day, that's that's really all it is. It's um it's not a fair fight right now. Um especially with Harden being whether he's he he's just washed up or hobbled or whatever's going on with him. Um I mean I'm what do you I'm not paying that guy. I'm not giving that guy a max extension. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I mean it, they have like a ridiculous pick and roll number. He and Embiid have like like, 1.5 po- points per, pos- per like, possession in the pick-and-roll, and that's, like, ridiculous. So um, if, like, you can find a guy who can do that, like, for cheaper, but, like, it's going to be hard to replace him. I mean.
1: Yeah, but everything you're giving up on, like, the rest of it is all – I mean, you can't run 100 pick-and-rolls every game with Harden and Bean. And so, I mean, if he's lost a step everywhere else – and, his, I mean, he's never adding a positive on defense. Uh, I mean, it's a lot. It's going to be – he's going to be the highest played player in the NBA. And by the end of his contract, I think it's going to be, like, in the 50s, maybe even approaching $60 million a year. And by the end of it, he's probably giving you, like, I don't know, 10 or $15 million value of contract. And so that I do not envy Daryl Mooring. He's got a hard decision. I, and I just don't think – I mean, the Heat are a well-coached team. They are solid top to bottom. Um, and I don't think the Sixers are built to exploit – Weaknesses that the Heat have, which would be more like, I, I think they don't have. If they're in a close game and you need, or they are playing a great defense, I think their half-court offense can be kind of shut down pretty easily, or not pretty easily, but um, they can they can be challenged. Uh, what about the Mavs series? It's two zero. Do the Suns look like they're the favorites, the team to beat?
0: I don't think they're the total favorites, but Ooh. I think that. They the for the Mavericks, I think that Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie just need to step up because at this point, all you have to do is really sell out at um, Luca and because I mean, besides Maxi Kleba, like their team isn't doing doing much like efficient wise efficiently.
1: You sound like Jason Kidd. <laughs> Jason Kidd after both games, he's like Luca can't do it own. I mean, this is Luca is a. Elite, elite playoff performer, right? He, uh, I, I don't remember who said this, but there's no defensive scheme that can stop Luca. Like he's got, ev- he's got everything. He's got everything in the bag that he needs, and what he, what he truly needs right now is a team around him that can support him. Um, and so Brunson's had a pretty disappointing series. Um, kept on talking about how in the Utah series Brunson's going to get paid, right? Brunson, like with with every si- single game, Brunson's making money on his next contract, uh, but here. I don't know, because the Suns are such a, a good defensive team, I think that kind of they've exposed maybe some of Brunson's weaknesses at the highest levels, and he's not, he's not a Luka. He's not a, a, a guy. He's a, a much smaller guy, and he's not going to be able to do uh, what he did against Utah's defense, which was more, uh, much, much, much worse than the Suns' defense. And so it looks like it might be a sweep. Um, hopefully Dallas can put up a good fight when they go back home. And make it a series. Uh, but right now it does look like the 1-4 series are, are are pretty much over. Uh, but we got some great matchups coming up in the 2-3. All right. Well, we've arrived at school. Thanks so much for listening to us today. We hope you have a great day wherever you are. Bye, Dad. Love you. See you later. Bye, buddy. See, love you, too.